All right, hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Parkview. I'm Doug, one of the pastors here, and welcome you guys live streaming because you got snowed in in the middle of April, whatever. So uh, it's great to be with you guys. So uh, we are going to talk about peace today. We're in a series called New Life. We're talking about, we celebrated a couple weeks ago that Jesus rose again from the dead. So now we're talking about what is the life that we can have because Christ has risen from the dead. If you were here last week, our college pastor, Wade, just nailed it, knocked it out of the park, got us going on this theme that because Christ is alive, there is a new life available to us through the resurrected Christ. So each week, we're going to look at different things that God would love to inject in our lives through Christ, and today it's going to be peace. So we got to be honest right up front. This is a safe place. We can all be honest with each other, but how many of us this week got anxious, afraid, worried about something? Be honest. Put your hand up. Put it up high. No shame here. Get it up. Okay, everybody look around. Keep it up. Keep it up. I'll put two up because I had two nights I didn't do so good sleeping-wise this week, okay? So this is a topic we all got to talk about. And then how many of us would also admit that when you are anxious or freaked out, you are definitely not in your best mode? Like that is not the best time to be around you. And we know that. But yet we still just constantly battle these things. If you've been around me for a while, maybe you've heard one of my epic bat stories. Like we lived in a place for a while that we had a bat issue, maybe four or five different times. It was me versus bat in a small room and, and broken lights and chairs and things would, would come out of that. And Lori would just roll her eyes and watch me freaking out trying to get this thing. So, um, but, but we're not at our best. Uh, when, when we're freaking out. And so this week even, um, it was, I think it was Thursday, Lori said, hey, Doug, I've been reading something about stress, and I got this paragraph I just want you to hear. And I'm honestly thinking like, oh, this is going to be great. I'm going to get some good, she's doing research for me for my sermon. Good job, Lori, thank you. And so she read through it, and when she got to the end of it, she said, and you know what? I think we've been seeing a little too much of this in you recently. <laughs> and so it's like, no, I didn't need to hear that part. But I, actually, I did need to hear that part in, in her love. So, but yeah, wouldn't it be cool to just be known as a people that, that are at peace, that really are calm? And so I, I got a visual of it about a week ago. Maybe you saw this video. It was kind of going viral about a safari in Tanzania where for 25 minutes, two cheetahs jumped onto a vehicle that had about eight or 10 tourists on it. And so check that guy out, like how close he is uh, to the cheetah. And the whole time the guide is like whispering, don't be afraid. <laughs> don't let him know you're afraid. Don't look him in the eye, you know, all those kind of things. So at least on the outside, that guy's looking pretty calm. I cannot guarantee what's going on inside, okay? Or if his pants were dry after that. I can't, I don't know any of that. But at least on the outside, I looked at that and go, man, that is, that is pretty cool. But wouldn't it be cool that regardless of what's going on around us, that that isn't just us on the outside, but that's us on the inside too. And actually it can be. Jesus really rose again from the dead. This is where we, as believers in Christ, need to go past just what we know in our heads is true and actually begin to embrace the life that Jesus died for us to have. So we're going to look at this topic of peace. And even though all of our hands went up in this room, we are not alone. Like our country is battling with this. I think it was in the... I, saw this statistic about five years ago, so I'm sure it's only gotten worse. But in the 70s in our country, there were only like three sleep disorder clinics in the whole country. But like the last time I saw this, and it was 337. It was maybe around 2010. Maybe even it has increased. I mean, just the simplicity of falling asleep is such a battle for us. 
uh, because of things like anxiety. So um, what I want to do, and, and I don't know about your, what, what your frequent topics are, but mine tend to start with Fs. You know, it's the future, it's my family, or finances, or if you're a student, maybe it's finals coming up, and I just reminded you of that. So all those, they tend to be along the F categories. But let's look and see this morning about this gift of peace. And we're going to look at a passage that is one of the most Googled passages in the whole Bible. And it's one of the most sent, like from person A to person B, one of the most forwarded verses in the Bible. And so it's in verse 6 in this passage. We're going to read Philippians 4, verses 4 to 13. And then we're just going to look at this text and describe the peace of God to make sure we're not settling for a counterfeit. What is the peace of God? We're going to describe it. We're going to talk about disciplines that promote the peace of God. And then we're going to discern the secret, like how can we really, uh, really uh, experience the lasting peace that comes from the peace of God. So let me read the text, and then we'll pray, and we'll jump into it. So Philippians 4.4, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Here's the verse that gets forwarded more than most. Verse 6, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever of you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstance. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Let me pray. So Father, would you speak to us? You are a good father when you look at us and we worry and fear and are anxious. Uh, you must just out of love just shake your head and say, why don't you know who I am? Don't you know what I have given you through Christ? And so thank you for your mercy, your compassion for us. May we today in deeper ways, understand this gift of peace that you give us through Jesus. And may we be more and more a people who are at peace regardless of our circumstances. So teach us today about this amazing gift of peace. In your great name we pray, amen. So let's, let's describe it as we look at these verses. How does Paul describe what the peace of God is like? And I want you to notice a couple things he said. Um, so Paul, how can we know that this really is the peace of God and not we're just happen to be having a good day? Like what's, what's the difference? What's, what is the peace of God? And so Paul would just tell us the peace of God is it's powerful. It's not natural. It's, you know, Paul even a couple of times said he had to learn. He had to learn the secret of contentment. Paul wouldn't say, well, you know what? I handled all the hard things in my life because I'm just kind of a tough guy. Like I just put my head down and I just go through it. And it's interesting to remember so many times we need to understand the backstory of who's writing this. Paul, in this situation, was in a Roman prison chained to a guard, most likely ready to face trial and possibly ready to face execution, okay? Paul's not in some cushy office. Oh, this will sell. This will get forwarded a lot in 2018. I'll just say 
don't be anxious about anything. Like this guy was living in an incredibly difficult time. His circumstances were not good. And yet in spite of that, uh, he was experiencing the peace of God. And he'd be the first to say, this is not natural. This is not something I just come up with on my own. I had to learn this, okay? So when you look at the Greek word content there, a good, a good English version of that is, would be poise, like to just be, be at calm and at, at rest regardless of what's going on around us, to show poise in any circumstance. And so um, when you describe the peace of God, it's to be content in every poised and content in every circumstance, all right? And so he goes on, he also says the peace of God, he describes it as being, being protected by the presence of God. There's a couple different times in that text he just talked about that God is with you, that God is near. And so you may already know this, but the most frequent command in the Bible is do not fear, do not fear, do not fear. 366 of them, right? One for every day and two for a bad day. And so the most common tagline after that, do not be afraid, is for the Lord is with you, for God is with you. And so that's something God wants pounded in our heads, is that he is with us. And so Paul clung to that a couple of different times when he said that he is protected by the presence, the presence of God. Verse 7 said that the peace of God will guard your hearts and your minds. It was a military term that he used, like literally in his day, it would have been like an army is surrounding your heart and your mind and just protecting you from anything negative that could hurt you. And I love the breakdown there too, that he mentioned mind and heart. Because I don't know about you, but I, I'm, I can, it's like a switch hitter in baseball, hit either side of the plate. My, my worry can, can, can control either. Like, I can control my thoughts, like I can just, just be distracted in my thinking, or it can just nail me at the, at the heart level and cause you to be afraid or, or worried or fearful. And so, so Paul says, you know what? The presence of God will just totally protect you from both. That's how you know this isn't just a good day or it's a temporary thing, that God is protecting you, heart and mind through his presence. And so that's powerful. And it's just good for us to remember the God who is with us. Um, Psalm 4610, be still and know that I am God. Like just remember who it is that's with you. I love this verse, Isaiah 7, 18 says that God whistles for the fly from the farthest point of the rivers of Egypt. And he comes. Like, I wish my dog Bubba would just come from across the street. But like God can summon a fly from Egypt just to come. God is in complete control. He does whatever he pleases. Nobody says to God, what are you doing? And so those that are, are aware of the presence of God will have a peace of God with them. So Paul, what's it like? Well, it's just I'm protected by the presence of God. And then, so Paul, what's it like? And he would say that it transcends all understanding. Like you have, you have no explanation for where this is coming from. When you look at your circumstances and see that you're still feeling calm and content and poised, you just go, I know this isn't me. Like, I know this isn't because I'm just trying harder or I'm just trying to do positive thinking. No, this is, this is legitimately God doing this in my life. So I just love how he's describing this, just so we, we get our heads around what we're talking about. We're talking about the peace of God. Maybe you've had that situation, too, where you step into somebody's life, and you know they're just, it's brutal around them, but you just see a calm and a presence about them that you, it just makes you stand back and go, whoa. There's a, there's a guy, not to set him up um, too much, but there, there's a guy that's going to help us start leading worship here in a couple of weeks that, that I had one of those moments just seeing him in a very hard time in his life. Just, just show me just incredible calm and care for his wife and just a presence about him that just, 
wow, and I've, I've told him that. Like, that, that was powerful for me to see you in that. And so maybe you've had those circumstances or maybe people have said that about you. Like, how did you walk through that? And that, those will be the moments you go, I honestly don't know. Like, I did, that was the peace of God. So that's, that's how Paul's describing this for us. And so, so then, Paul, what are some disciplines? And then this passage we just read, you guys, is just loaded. And, and maybe you notice that as we're going through there. Just a lot of practical things. And so let me just suggest three things that Paul mentions that if these are practices in our life, we're really connecting ourselves with the peace of God. And let me just say this before I tell you these three, is that I would guess that none of these are going are to shock you. It's not going to be like, whoa, I've never heard that before. But th- these are going to be three things that are not just have you heard these before, but like, like so many things in our relationship with God, are we actually doing them? Okay, so don't just look at, oh, I know, I know that answer. I could fill in that blank. Like, just let's talk about these for a little bit, because the first one is pray about everything, okay? So verse 6, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, prayer, supplication, thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. you got to be honest. Like, when we are really worrying about something, Lori does this to me all the time, in a good way, okay? She's not like the nagging, why don't you pray? She's like, she's like well, have, have you prayed about that? I mean, the way she says it is such a no-brainer. Like, well, it makes you want to say, well, of course I prayed about it. But then, like, when I usually respond that way, I just think and go, well, actually, I, I haven't. Like, I haven't prayed like I should on this one. And so, again, it sounds really simple, but prayer is um, an amazing discipline to experiencing the peace of God. Prayer simply means to cry out or to cast. You know, there's even a verse like 1 Peter 5, 7 that says, cast your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Like, just get rid of them. You, we, our bodies are not meant to contain anxiety. Like, that's bad for us. We know that. And the things it does to us health-wise, things it does to our relationships. So we're really meant to get rid of our cares, get rid of our anxieties. And, and prayer is the way you do that. You get rid of that. And I heard a great practical illustration about that this week. So I am Mr. Not Mechanical at all. And so eventually we're going to need to get our mowers out, probably in a month or so, maybe two months, right? So the way it's going, we should be getting our mowers out again. So my mower, I love trying to keep things going as long as possible. And so I, my mower I have now should have probably died two years ago, but it's still going. So let's say I pull that thing out in a month when we finally get to mow and it doesn't start. So, and I'm going to hang on to it. I want to keep it. So I take it to a guy that really knows how to repair mowers. Okay, here's the analogy. So like, what if I leave that mower there and I go, okay, so here's my mower. Can you fix it? And guy goes, yep, I'll get to it. And I'll give you a call. I say, great. And then I just stay there, like in his, in his shop. And it's kind of awkward, you know, but it's just like, no, I'm just going to stay. The guy's like, okay, you know, and so, so I bring a sleeping bag because maybe he's not going to get to it for two days later, and I'm just there, like in his shop. Like he's going to go, this is really strange. Like he's probably talking to his wife about me when he gets home. So like let's say he finally starts working on my mower, and I'm just right there like, are you, are you sure you should be doing that? Like a mister who knows nothing about this is there critiquing him or coaching him. Like honestly, if you were ask the guy, the repair person, like would you, would you prefer that? Like would you like every customer to do that? He's like, no, would you just leave my shop? Would you just go, go about your life, do the things you are good at, and then when this mower is done, I will call you. In the meantime, just let me handle it. So dumb analogy, but like isn't that what we do with the stuff we're worried about? Like if God wasn't maybe so kind to you, wouldn't he just say, hey, you prayed about that? Why don't you just get out of my shop? Like let me fix that, and now you go. Like just, just trust me, I got this. I can fix this way better than you can, especially way better than you just kind of hovering around it and worrying about it and overlooking it. So just 
Just cast it. Give it to him. Get rid of it. That's a, such a great uh, analogy for me. So I had a pastor when I was in college. He just said, you know, if you've prayed about something and it's still just lingering, he said, you haven't prayed long enough. <laughs> just, just get down and just keep praying. Like, don't get up until it's totally out of you and it's totally on God. Okay, so... So again, like true, false, you know, we should pray to find the peace of God. So but are we, how are we actually doing that? And then, you know, maybe one other layer with that is to invite others to pray with you about whatever it is that's getting you anxious. If you're married, man, that's, I, it still shocks me that 90% of married Christian couples don't pray together. Like, you know, just, they're, they're, that's a great idea right there. Just pray with your spouse or not married, bring in close friends, get people in your life that are praying with you for your anxieties. Okay, so pray about everything. Uh, The next one is thank God always. Um, Don't be anxious about anything, but in prayer, supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Here's our tendency with that verse. We would say, okay, I'm going to ask God for a bunch of stuff, and then when he answers, I'm going to say thank you. Like, God, thank you, but I'm going to hold thank you until I see God do something. That's not the way that verse is written. Uh, prayer, supplication, with thanksgiving. Like, thanksgiving is just in there. So as you're asking for things, and even as you may not be getting answers for things, you are still just lobbing up thanksgiving after thanksgiving to God. Like, that is so crucial in our prayer lives. That just reminds us, for me practically, what that does is it gives me hope in whatever I'm praying for. If I rehearse the things that God has done for me, the way God has answered prayers, the way he has been good for me, good to me, then that just really propels how I pray about what I'm worried about. It gives me hope in the moment. So just read some stuff this week that grateful people tend to be more empathetic, more forgiving, have a more positive outlook on life. They're less envious, have less materialism. Uh, They're less self-centered. They sleep better and they live longer. Like so Max Lucado said, if Thanksgiving was in a pill form, it would be a miracle drug. And again, it's one of those things that sounds so basic. Like, should I be grateful? Duh, yeah. But, but are you? Like, do you regularly thank God? Do you? So I try in my disciplines when I'm journaling my journals, you will see every day I just start with praises and thanksgiving. Like, what has God done for me? How is God good to me? And that's where I start before I just jump into what I'm praying for. So pray about everything. Give thanks always. And then think about what's true. Think about what's true. And again, that came from verse 8, where Paul said, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, anything excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. That word think meant more than just like a passing glance. It means to dig down, to ponder, to uh, pound these things into our heads. And those first three words where he said true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, those were words that Paul often used of doctrine, like the foundational truths of our, of our faith. So, um, Matt, you did a great job talking about the practical things you try to do to stay at peace. Uh, last hour, another elder, too, shared some of his, and one of his was he just wants to ground himself in the Bible. And so, and so the link there is like the more you really understand what the Bible teaches— then you can really ground yourself in, in what is true, what is right. And so that is, that's really powerful for us um, because here's what's going to happen. If you go to different sources in, in our world today, uh, they are not going to tell you to think deeply about your life, like to think deeply about where your life is headed, 
or where you have come from. Because if you have a Christian worldview, as hard as our circumstances can be, at least when we look into, into what's true, what we see is true, yeah, as hard as things are now, we see in our doctrine that there is a God who stepped into our struggle, that there is a God who redeems struggle, that there is a God who has created a heaven for us to live with him forever. Or if we look backwards in our life, we see we were created for a purpose. We're not here by accident. So when you dig into just the basic truths of Christianity, even in the midst of hardship, there can be comfort in that. Okay, I'm struggling now, but there is a God who has designed all of this. There's a God who loves me. He proved that through the cross. He's designed a heaven for me, waiting for me. And so that's a whole different way of dealing with our struggle versus in our world today, we're told things like, you know what? You just need to get away. Like, don't think about it. It would be the opposite of 180. Like, don't think deeply about your life because we really don't have many answers about where this is headed. There's not much hope if there's not a God in this picture. Uh, our hope is we're going to die and become worm food, right? And so it just, it kind of gets bleaker as you get closer to the end. And so a lot of times the relaxation techniques or the don't think about things or think positive things is really avoiding the truth. Uh, Paul says, if you want the peace of God, don't avoid what's true. Dig harder into it. Like, go, oh, don't avoid truth. Don't avoid deep thinking. Let's go there. Let's remind ourselves of who God is, who we are, how he's created us, and, and where this life is ultimately headed. So pray about everything. Thank God always, and think about what is true. Jesus even reminded that, us of that in the Sermon on the Mount. There was a time where he said, don't be anxious. Um, don't worry about what you eat or what you're going to drink, because he said, that's what the pagans worry about. People who don't have God in their lives are going to worry about things like food, clothes, day-by-day things. He says, don't, don't worry like them, okay, because you know what's true. You know, you know God. So the last thing is, so um, those are some disciplines to help us find peace. So how do we discern the secret to lasting peace? There's two things. One is, is cling to your identity. You are in Christ, okay? Um, Wade set us up beautifully in this last week. If you didn't hear last week's sermon, listen to that. So powerful about our identity in Christ. We saw that in Colossians 3, where we were told, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. That when you have faith in Jesus Christ, your identity is now in Christ, okay? So in this book of Philippians, Paul, there's only 108 verses, 45 times he mentions Jesus, okay? So, so Paul's identity was grounded in Christ. Romans 5.1 says that we can have peace with God. Um, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So our identity in Christ is that, is that our sins have been forgiven. We have a relationship with God. So we now know more than God is just with us, but God is for us. God is in us. God uh, loves us. God, we are identified in Christ. And so those things uh, lead to a lasting peace. And so Paul's peace was not contingent on his circumstances. He wasn't at peace because he was having a good day or because things are going well. Again, you heard his story. He's in prison, possibly facing execution. His circumstances were bad, but his his joy, his peace was not linked, was not contingent on what was going on. His joy and peace was linked with his identity in, in Christ. And so um, I love how Jesus said, um, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives, do I give to you. So we're talking about the peace of God that's only going to come through your relationship with Jesus Christ. So that'd be my first step for you guys this morning um, 
is like, how am I going to access the peace of God? You need to make sure you understand who Jesus is and that you know that he died for you, for your sins, that he is your savior and that you can be identified as being in Christ, just like Paul identified himself, that Jesus really rose again from the dead to give you a new life. Okay, so it starts there. And then the other place I would say to look is to look at the cross. Look what Jesus did for us. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. What is the ultimate act that Jesus did for us? Is that he died for us on the cross. So let's talk about how the cross kind of just confronts our doubts. Our doubts that tend to lead us to be afraid and, and worried and those kind of things. Here's, here's three that I thought of this week that that a lot of times when we're, we're facing hardship, we, we, we might think, like, is God punishing me here? Like, have I done something wrong? And when you look at the cross, you're reminded, uh, no, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That on the cross, Jesus took our punishment, okay? So God, if you have asked Jesus to be your Savior, God's not in the business of punishing and, and being angry and just getting you, okay? The Bible does talk about God disciplining us, that's a whole different deal. That's like God out of love trying to get our hands off of stuff that's hurting us in our lives because he loves us, right? And so, and so but there is um, no punishment that if we're going through a hard situation, it's not because God is angry at us. You look at the cross, you see Jesus took your punishment. Here's the second one. Sometimes we're going through hard times. You can feel alone or isolated or has God forgotten about me? Has God abandoned me? And again, you look at the cross and you remember that as Jesus was dying on the cross, he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Right? It was when Jesus was on the cross, he took our punishment and he took really what we deserve. We do deserve to be forsaken by God because we've sinned and we've, we've rebelled. But Jesus took that from us. So now we can know because of the cross that God is for us. He doesn't abandon us. He is going to be with us. And so is God abandoning me? Does he hate me? No, the cross shows us the opposite. And here's, here's, those are awesome things. Here's, I think, the best that the cross shows us. Like, let's say that we could all just go back in time and we were at the foot of the cross and we somehow were just given the whole scope of what's going on, that this is the sinless son of God, that he is dying, that he has been brutally mistreated, that he's so innocent, he should not be dying there. And let's say that's all we know. We don't know the rest about resurrection and all that. We just saw that slice and moment in time. What would our conclusions be about God based on that? Like, God, what are you doing? Like, God, don't you care? God, don't you know what's right? God, are you that wicked that you're going to let something like this happen? God, are you that weak that you can't step in and stop this? But then let's say we pull back like we can now and see that the cross was actually God's most astonishing work that he's done on the planet, that he took the sins of all of us and put them on the innocent son of God who then died and rose again from the dead so that we could have eternal life. Like that is the glory of God put on full display. But in that one moment, just looking in that one slice, we had no, you know, we would have no idea of what God was going to do with that. And so that is the most heinous thing that's happened to anybody on the planet. So now let's bring that into our situation. And, and I don't mean to belittle, like there are some hard things going on in this room. There are some you know, humanly speaking, things in our lives that really should cause us to freak out, right? But if we were to look at just that incident in our lives 
we could easily come to the same conclusion that we would at the cross. You're like, God, what are you doing? Like, God, where, where are you in this? Are you evil or are you just too weak? You can't do anything here. And we have no idea the same God that took that heinous act on the cross and did the most powerful thing that's ever been done is the same God that can take our situations and do the astonishingly, astonishingly supernatural in us too. That there will be a day where it says that God causes all things to work together for good for those who are in Christ Jesus, that your identity in Christ just identifies you with the whole supernatural that God can do through the hardest things. So even that can give us peace and hope in the midst of whatever we're facing. And so the victory has been won by Christ on the cross. So let's do this to just kind of wrap up. Let me give you a chance to pray. And again, maybe just circle back on what was your your biggest throwdown this week, anxiety-wise. Maybe it was something about one of your kids. Maybe it was something about your future, something about finances, what, one of your Fs, whatever those are. Like, could you just take whichever one of those, pick, pick one or two, and then could you just look back at our notes, look back at what we just talked about, and could you just interact with God? Like, take a truth you heard this morning and apply it to one of those fears, one of those anxieties, and say, God, would you give me the understanding of this truth so that I, I can have your peace in this. So just take a minute and pray. Ask for the peace of God. God, thank you for a very practical passage. Thank you that you're a God who understands uh, what we struggle with and what we battle. And I thank you that you're a God who offers us a peace that passes understanding. May we be a people that just continue to see growth in this area, that we be a people that as people are watching us walk through our lives, that they would see a peace that they don't understand, that that would be clearly a peace that has come from you and that you would give us as a people a chance to put you, Jesus, the resurrected Christ on display with our words when appropriate, but, but even more so with our lives as they see us walking in the peace that only you can give. God, thank you for this church. Just thank you even just looking through the crowd this morning. I have seen story after story of people. I've seen peace in their lives in hard times. So I thank you that you're that kind of God. Keep doing that. Keep doing what you do in our lives. We love you. We need you. In Jesus' name, amen.